What is up, everybody? I'm back with another edition of the State of Bitcoin podcast, where I'm joined by Vince Beagle, NFL linebacker, currently for the Baltimore Ravens, but his contract's up. Maybe he should get signed by the Bears. I don't know. Nudge, nudge, bear down. But, I mean, we're looking for him to get signed somewhere else. He's gone through a torn Achilles for the second time in his NFL career. So we talk a little bit about how he's been able to, you know, study up and really work on himself during these injuries. It's kind of been a blessing in disguise. And, uh, you know, we, we talk about how the perception of personal finance in the NFL, how he has, you know, self-educated himself on Bitcoin, and the perception of it in the locker room. You know, we've seen Russell Kuhn, Saquon Barkley, OBJ, a lot of these big name players get into Bitcoin, but we haven't really heard anything about it since then. So, you know, we, we ask, I ask him, you know, outside of the, the FOMOing bull run, which, you know, a lot of just general plebs have gotten into, where does it stand in the locker room now? And, you know, where, where his kind of thesis is and lies and overall, it was a great conversation. Uh, Vince is a great guy and a great ambassador for the space. So look out for him at a lot of these meetups and other things like that, as he's going to try to get a little bit more active in the space. So uh, on that note, always, ladies and gentlemen, please, please, please remember that this is not financial advice. Everything you hear in this podcast should not be taken as financial advice. It is strictly the opinion of Vince and myself. But it's overall a very interesting conversation, so please tune in, subscribe to the YouTube, subscribe wherever you get podcasts, support the show, and I greatly, greatly appreciate you listening. Now, let's get into the show. Whoosh. Bing bong. We are live with another edition of the State of Bitcoin podcast. And for those listening on podcasting 2.0 apps, it is greatly appreciated, especially those of us listening on Fountain and those sending me boosts. So I received a 500 sat boost from at I love sushi. So I really appreciate you uh, sending me that boost last last podcast where I had John Dennehy from uh, My First Bitcoin down in El Salvador. They said very interesting podcast. I learned a lot. So I really appreciate the feedback. And uh, yeah, go follow My First Bitcoin. They're doing some great educational stuff down in El Salvador. And I'd also like to thank my sponsor, Coddle.co. That's C-O-D-L dot C-O. Big shout out to Coddle.co. They tweeted early, early this morning that he had his second child. So uh, go and support the cause. Go to Coddle.co. Go purchase a punch plate. They got great punch plates there that have been battle tested through thick and thin. Got a lot of great videos on his website on what he's done to test all those things. So get your Bitcoin off exchanges Use a punch plate to store those seed phrases and use promo code green candle at checkout. That's promo code G-R-E-E-N-C-A-N-D-L-E at checkout and you'll get 10% off your entire order. Now, I've got a very special guest. I've got uh, NFL linebacker Vince Beagle. Vince, how you doing today? You guys, I'm doing great, Brandon. I appreciate you having me on, man. Of course, of course, man. So um, I believe current Baltimore Raven, is that correct? I don't know how like the contract situation is lining up or anything, but yeah, yeah Baltimore Raven, right? Current Baltimore Raven, um, unfortunately finished the year on IR. I tore my Achilles uh, this season, so I finished the year on IR. Um, now residing back home, uh, back home, my da- home, home down here in South Florida. 
That's awesome. That's awesome. So I'm, I'm also in Florida. I'm up in Tampa, so a little bit north of you, not too far. But I did look at your Wikipedia page, so I'm going to have to get out in front of this. You're a Wisconsin Badger, and you were drafted by the Packers. I'm rocking my Chicago Bears shirt right now, so I had to do it. Um, but, you know, how badly do you wish that you were born in the Chicagoland area and drafted by the Bears? I mean, come on, right? Being born in Chicago, being born in Illinois, absolutely not, Brandon. <laughs> but playing for the but playing for the the storied Chicago Bears, um, I don't I really don't hold any allegiance to the Packers or the Bears or anybody. Um, Brandon, I like to say my favorite team is who's ever signed the checks. Yeah, there we go. I mean, of course, right? So you've had a little bit of, you know, you alluded to it. You ended the year on IR, and I saw, you know, on everything like last year, you kind of had a similar injury. So how's the recovery process going? Um, you know, how's the how's the morale with everything? And, uh, yeah, how, how's all that going? You know, Brandon, my rehab has been going excellent. It's been uh, it's been a d- d- disappointing uh this year especially was disappointing because I was having a phenomenal training camp. I was uh, the starting outside linebacker for the Ravens and then tore my Achilles uh, during training camp, which put me on IR the rest of the season. Um, but, you know, this time has really allowed me, though, Brandon, to be able to dig dig in and to really explore other interests of mine. And Bitcoin is being one of them, which we'll obviously get into today. And then also being able to spend time with my family um, as well with my two daughters and my wife. So, I'm a, I'm a blessed man, and I'm looking forward to getting back there, back back out of the field in 2023. But uh, this time has allowed me to be able to uh, develop myself in other ways off the field. Yeah, that's awesome stuff, right? Because unfortunately, you know, injuries do happen, and you know that the I think the average uh, career in the NFL is about like three or four years. So unfortunately, you know, you risk a lot, and you dedicate a lot of your time to get into that NFL and to get into that league, but. You know, sometimes just situations don't always play out. So, um, you know, on that note, why don't you guys, I guess, kind of describe uh, the overall just kind of vibe when it comes to, you know, more personal finance, because as like an outsider sports fan, as myself, as I am myself, it seems like there's been kind of, a, you know, a general shift when it comes to professional athletes that they're kind of stressing a little bit more on personal finance. Is that something that you're noticing when it comes to just like the NFL in general? Well, Brandon, you, you mentioned uh, the average NFL career. NFL career is, is roughly about three three years. So the, the average NFL career is, is three years, and we always joke around the NFL stands for not for long. And I have the pleasure of going into my seventh NFL season next year. Um, and it's been a grind, man. It's every year you take one year at a time. Um, it's taxing. I've had injuries. I've had, I've had four surgeries since I've been in the NFL and, and that just comes with the territory. But, you know, the overall, I guess the overall landscape of what finances are in the NFL, um, I think is actually really grown, grown a lot and a big credit to the NFL PA. So the NFL PA, um, they have so many programs which help us along the way, whether that be educational or, um, a, uh, our, our 401k and being able to tap into that is, is, is excellent. And um, just the programs that allow players to be able to um, get educated and then also just tools like uh, NFLPA provides free background checks for any of your advisors or people in close to you. Um, I got the, I don't know if you can hear my daughter in the background. She's, she's screaming. That's just, that's my dad's dad life right now. Uh, exactly. Um. But yeah, and, and uh, 
from a 401k standpoint, uh, uh, you know, they, they do a great job of actually matching your 401k and that it's one of the best. So I feel the NFL is doing everything they can to be able to prepare players for life after football. Yeah. And that's great stuff. So, um, you know, you're talking about life after football, but let's, let's talk about a little bit of life in football, right? Because, you know, you're, you're in the locker room, obviously now you ended the year, unfortunately on IR, but why don't you kind of describe a little bit about like the just overall format of the NFL locker room? Because, you know, I, I, I I believe there's 52 men on the NFL roster and there's a lot of different position groups and kind of a lot of things that go into it. And, you know, you're, you meet a lot, you practice a lot with the team, but, you know, a lot of times you're kind of separated into to different groups. So why don't you kind of describe, I guess, that relationship and kind of how that goes? Yeah, you know, there's, I think a lot of people don't realize it's a, it's a really small roster when you really think about it. It's a 54-man roster, 53-man roster, excuse me. And uh, you have to also account for the kicker, the punter, and the, and the long snapper, so there's really 50 spots. And... Um, for the listeners who have never really been in football, really don't know uh, how a really how a structured locker room is set up is you have your offense and your defense. So you know you'll you'll meet as a team. You, everybody will come in at you know uh, seven thirty. Everybody will meet together. Then it gets broken up into offense and defense. Right, you meet with your defensive and offensive coordinators, and then from there, then you break off into your subsects of, of position groups. So you got your inside linebackers, your outside linebackers, your defensive line, and sometimes safeties and DBs, sometimes safeties and corners meet separate, and sometimes they meet the same. Um, and then same thing on offense. You got your wide receivers, your running backs, quarterbacks, tight ends, and offensive line are all meeting in separate rooms. So, and then on top of that, too, you have special teams. So after you get done with meeting all of your your uh, team meeting, your your uh offense, defense meetings, your position meetings, and you have special teams meetings, which I'm always in, which is punt, punt return, kickoff, and kickoff return. So uh, a lot of meetings, uh, a lot of organization, but it's really fun to be able to be in a locker room because there's so many different people from different backgrounds. You got guys from all over the country. You got guys who are black guys, white guys, Polynesian guys, Asian guys, you know, all subsects and all, and all all ethnicities and all religions and backgrounds. And I think that's why the game of football is the greatest sport because you have all these collection of all these different people, all these different body types, right? You got the 360 pound guy. And then you also have a guy who's 160 pounds who runs a four, two. Uh, so it's, I think the game of football is really fun. It's a really unique collection of, of men. And uh, I'm always thankful to be a part of it. Yeah, for sure. And it is, like you said, it is very unique because, you know, 53-man roster, their team, there's a bunch of positions. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you you break off a lot into your own kind of separate groups when it comes down to it. And even, like, there's a big divide between offense and defense too, right? So, you know, when it comes to, I guess, the overall team, you know, the, the full 53-man roster, like, how does the camaraderie work that way? Like, do you guys, you know, is it generally like, all right, you know, you meet with these same, the same, like your linebackers, your outside linebackers, every, every practice. So obviously those are probably your closest on the team, but you know, are you hanging out with the wide receivers or is there, is there a way that you guys are uh, kind of stressed to make that bond? Um, so, you know, an outside linebacker is hanging out with people on offense as well. 
Well, they, they did a really good job of like mixing up the locker. So in the locker room, all the players are mixed together. So you got the offensive line with the defensive line and the DBs with, you know, it's all just intermixed. So you have a collection and you're able to kind of, you know, build, build relationships. And, and for the listeners who've, you know, football, they, they think that we just, we just kind of just show up to the games. No, this is a, this is a 365, seven days, uh, 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 365, seven days a week. We're, we're always working our craft even in the off seasons, we are we're doing stuff and, and training and rehabbing and working ourselves, um, you know, just like investors. So, you know, you're that's how you're building your camaraderie, and you're you're there all the time, right? So you're you're practicing with guys, you're hitting guys, you're watching film with with guys, you're watching film with the coaches. Obviously, they're they're coaching up, and you know, you really start to form these relationships with guys. Um, and even in the meal rooms, right? You're having lunch and dinner and breakfast with guys. You you, you really build these relationships, um, and it's special because, you know, there's not too many times where a collection of 21 to you know 30 something year old guys are able to all come together and really do what you do. So, you know, I, I'm always, I always say I'm so thankful to be able to be a part of the NFL and being able to be on a roster every single year. Um, it's a, it's a very, it's a very cool thing. And I think also too, so I said, you know, you have your main roster and then you also have your practice squad as well. So that's around, uh, 16 players, I believe 12 to 16. I can't remember. So, uh, of, of practice squad guys as well, who are, who are excellent players. Um, so overall it's a, it's a great, it's a great locker room. Yeah. And obviously it's extremely difficult to, to be in the NFL and, you know, like less than 1% of players who play in college football get drafted and everything like that. But, you know, you kind of alluded to, you know, a little bit earlier about you've been able to work on yourself a little bit, you know, kind of uh, explore some, you know, things that you might like outside of football, just, you know, due to circumstances. So um, explain kind of how you got into Bitcoin. Tell us about the orange pill story, kind of how you found it and, uh, you know, how you got to where you're at today. No, that's a great question, Brandon. Um, so when I tore my Achilles my first time, which was in 2020, I tore my left Achilles, my left Achilles in 2020, and then I tore my right one in 2022. So when I tore it the first time, um, I really started getting into. Um, I think also when I tore my Achilles the first time, I realized the game isn't going to last forever, and I need to really start. You know, I, I have a financial advisor and I was, you know, invested and so forth, but I was, I really want to take control of my own finances and be financially literate. Um, so at that point, I really started just diving into podcasts, investing podcasts. And one of them was the investors podcast. We study billionaires and there's a guy on there named Preston Pish who huge fan of. And I think it wasn't even until, you know, like episode 10, I was listening to that he, this guy started talking about this thing called Bitcoin and a lot of things just kind of clicked in my mind. Uh, me being a libertarian, um, kind of just the way I think everything in Bitcoin made a lot of sense. So, uh, at that point in time, I, I went, I went all in on Bitcoin, not all in, but I, you know, I, I uh, started investing in Bitcoin and mind you, I probably invested in Bitcoin September, October of 2020. So not a bad time to get in at all. 
and uh, had a huge run up um, and then ha had a huge retracement and learned so many things along the way. Um, but that was kind of my orange pill story on how I, you know, really understood Bitcoin and, 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 and that whole process of learning about it and press and talking about it. And then, you know, I started listening to other, you know, individuals speak on Bitcoin and, and, and just realizing how important that this needs to be, um, you know, an allocation of my portfolio. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's funny, you and I both have kind of a similar orange pill story. I actually was listening to the investors podcast that we study billionaires and, uh, Preston had, I think he had like Saifedine Amus, who obviously, you know, Bitcoin standard and great spokesman for, for Bitcoin and everything like that. And Plan B, who does, uh, you know, he does the stock to flow, which obviously kind of fell apart recently. But that kind of got me excited. You know, at, at first, when you get into it, you're, you're looking at the price a lot and you don't really think, you know, the fundamentals right away. But, yep. um, you know, shout out to Preston for doing doing that great work and getting people orange pilled uh, left and right, it seems uh, all walks of life and everything like that. But, um, you know, you mentioned already that you had like a financial advisor, but you've kind of trying to take, you know, a little bit more control of your own finances. Well, talk to me about uh, what your financial advisor said, maybe when or did you even bring it up to him about Bitcoin? Uh, like, well, what did he say? And what was kind of his initial reaction to that? Yeah, you know, my financial advisor is, uh, he's a phenomenal guy. And um, I come to him with all financial um, questions, not just crypto and equities, but also we do venture capitals deals together, real estate. He's a guy who I come to for all questions. And when I mentioned Bitcoin, he was like, Vince, if you feel passionate about it, I'm all in with you, man. Like he is, um, you know, he did his due diligence as well. And he understood what, what the Bitcoin was. Um, his position that he was, he actually can't hold Bitcoin personally, but he uh, was fully supportive of me, which I was surprised, uh, right? Because I think uh, when you have a financial advisor, um, does he doesn't have a banking background, by the way. But uh, when you uh, have a guy who uh, comes from the kind of the financial sector, they have their reservations regarding crypto. But he did not. He had to give me his full blessing. And um, I, I would have I would have bought Bitcoin anyways, Brandon. So it really didn't matter. But uh, it was it was good to get his assurance. Yeah, for sure. And it seems like, you know, let's bring it back to a little bit now, the, the NFL, right? So uh, you brought it up in, in like 2020, and that's kind of when we saw, you know, a lot of professional athletes seem to get, get into it, especially the NFL, right? So we have you know, Russell Okun seemed to be the first one that kind of got in and, and got a lot of publicity for taking some of his paycheck in Bitcoin. Uh, Saquon Barkley announced that he's taking like all of his sponsorships in Bitcoin, OBJ and Trevor Lawrence got, you know, Bitcoin and some other cryptos as well. So, you know, it seemed like that was kind of, you know, the full on trend. So did you kind of notice at that time in the in the locker room, everybody was kind of, you know, talking about, you know, not only Bitcoin, but crypto to a, to a lesser extent, just kind of, you know, what is this kind of thing? Like, let me get in on it. Let me get on this trend as it's shooting up. Yeah. So Russell Kuhn and I are kind of like, he was before me. So uh, actually, Russell and I, we were talking and actually he's gone full. I don't, he's not on really social media anymore. He hasn't really posted or done much in a while. Um, but uh, when I uh, when I got in at a really good, luckily I got in at a good time. It was just pure luck. Uh, it wasn't anything, you know, analytical. So when I got in, it, you know, I started going, uh, started huge, seeing a huge price increase. And 
me being the guy that I am, I was very vocal in the locker room. Like, hey, guys, uh, educating guys on, on crypto. Um, and at that time, guys are very receptive, right? Because I think at that time in 2020, you know, crypto was the hottest thing. Everybody's talking about crypto and Bitcoin and altcoins. So I think a lot of those guys, it's easy. It's easy for even retail guys to, to get kind of caught up and swept away with the emotions. So um, I got a lot of my teammates into crypto, um, not just not just Bitcoin, but other altcoins, like mostly layer one stuff and guys with solid projects. But, um, you know, it was it was a it's a fun thing. And, I, there's, and there's a small group of uh, guys on, in the locker room that we actually started our own little group chat where it's just kind of a crypto group chat. We keep, you know, we keep tabs on each other, share information. Um, but I was, I was really proud, you know, and I'm still, still to this day, uh, always a huge crypto advocate in the locker room, always sharing information. Um, but as you now fast forward, that was in 2020, right? And as you fast forward to this season, um, seeing the huge, you know, capitulation of Bitcoin and, and the, and the, and the, and what we have and saw in 2022, uh, Bitcoin wasn't sexy anymore. Crypto wasn't sexy anymore. And, uh, you could definitely see those conversations weren't as much and weren't as, you know, exciting. Yeah. And I mean, exactly that, right. I think, you know, everybody kind of, it's tough in the bear market. It really is. And, uh, you know, it, it's kind of your your first one now. Uh, you, you know, you obviously saw the run up and the, the big crash. And uh, it seemed like I think especially OBJ, who took a lot of his paycheck in Bitcoin, uh, it, I think he saw like maybe it, it shrink by like 60 or 70 percent that that paycheck. Yep. And so, you know, the bears obviously came out and kind of were trying to dunk on him and Twitter and everything like that. Um, so do you kind of like, I, I guess now do you kind of, when you bring it up to just, you know, maybe not the, maybe not the group chat or some other people that were a little bit receptive before, but you bring it up to maybe some of the people who are on the fence a little bit before, do you see them, uh, I guess just severely pushing back on you now, just kind of thinking it's all a scam and that you're going to lose all your money. It's going to zero, that kind of thing. Well, they definitely have more fuel to the fire, right? They got some, they got some ammunition now, <clears throat> but Really, my thesis, though, Brent, hasn't changed whatsoever. If anything, it's only gotten stronger with new things that have come out. One thing, though, Brandon, that I have really realized was, and I didn't really realize it till just, you know, recently, you know, until you see the huge downfall was when you are a person who has influence and when you have a person who can influence people to make decisions, you have, it's a great responsibility. And, um, when I saw those guys buy in and we saw a huge price decrease in my heart, I felt, I felt, um, I felt a lot of pain because I was a big reason why those guys invested into it. And yes, they, you know, at the end of the day, they make their own decisions, their financial decisions. Absolutely. But, you know, I was a friend, a teammate that they trusted in and I use my words much more carefully now. Um, I'm much more, uh, Hey, you should buy this. I should be like, Hey, you should look at this. So I use my words much more carefully. Um, I'm very, and that even, even in my own portfolio, I'm much more strict. There's, I have a strict guideline of what I am investing in. I'm, I'm not, I don't invest in, um, uh, you know, crap coins like Dogecoin. I'm sorry for all the Dogecoin holders or, or Shiba Inu, or, you know, I kind of just, I, I invest in projects that have, you know, a real use case stuff that has, a um, 
you know, not 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 necessarily stuff that's going to see a two hundred x, but stuff that's going to be you know rock solid investments. That's not going anywhere. And uh, um, also being a um, just a good friend and 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 uh, and not steering guys in the right in the wrong direction. I really learned a big lesson there. Yeah, and you nailed it on the head there, right? I mean, it is it is really tough, right? I mean, you try to orange pill people, especially on the run up. You see a lot of people FOMOing in, yes. and then you know, as everybody likes to jump on the train when it's going up, and then everybody likes to point the finger and laugh when it's going down, right? So there, there's there's both sides to it. So it is kind of a tough game to kind of jump in. Um, but, you know, I think the biggest thing that you kind of said, you know, it, it's a lot of the education's uh, perspective. Like you're, you said, your thesis hasn't changed. And, you know, it's kind of uh, you know, having the long term outlook. And, you know, when, when you're pointing to a lot of these short term price movements, it is it is really tough because you can get caught up in, you know, checking the price as it's going up. And then checking the price as it's going down too, and just freaking out that you're losing, you know, a lot of money when in reality it's, you know, paper money because you still have the same amount of Bitcoin. Right. So, you know, what, uh, I guess, what kind of was that aha moment for you for Bitcoin that, you know, now that you've invested in it and you have, you have Bitcoin and everything like that, that you're just, you know, confident with that investment. And then you're like, you know, I'll ride these waves and I, and I'm very confident with where it's going because I think, you know, no matter what you're investing in, I think that's, you know, one of the main things that you need to do is just have conviction in whatever you're investing in, know what you're investing in, because, you know, at the end of the day, you'll be able to ride those waves. And it's very difficult to time the market, as you said. So what was that kind of like, aha, click in the head moment where you're like, okay, you know, no matter what, I I know what I'm, I'm I'm very uh, confident in this investment or, you know, holding Bitcoin. Well, well, Brandon, really what um, what was my aha moment was when in 2020, right, we have COVID and you saw the the, the stimulus and you saw the money printing by the, the by the federal government. And at that point in time, that was my aha moment. Um, and I worked my butt off for my money, putting my, my body on the line. And I'm like, my hard earned dollars that I'm earning, right, they're printing off trillions of that. So really why I invested in Bitcoin was that was again going to be my hedge against the debasement of our, of our currency. That's essentially what my, my Bitcoin position was. And that was my thesis. It hasn't changed whatsoever. You know, we, we've obviously seen a shifting, we've seen a huge shift in the overall um, you know, market, but in regards, to, in, in regards to my thesis it hasn't changed because we all know all roads lead back to the money printer and all roads essentially lead back to Bitcoin. And, um, if anything, I double down on my position and, um, you know, whether, uh, it takes one year, two years, three years, I have the patience, Brandon, I have the, um, um, I have the conviction to ride it through and, and it will rebound. And, and when it goes parabolic, Brandon, we saw that in 2020, it's that's, and that's when, you know, that's when times are fun. That's when it's exciting. Yeah, exactly. Those are the times it's fun on Twitter and everybody's, you know, we're all rich again, but Hey, now we're, now we're all poor, right? Because it's just sitting and floating at this, this 20 K K mark. Obviously that's, you know, tongue in cheek and everything like that. But, you know, what I think is interesting is that, you know, you mentioned in 2020, that's when you got in and that's kind of when we saw a lot of these professional athletes start to take it in, in uh, paychecks, sponsorships, what have you in Bitcoin, but we're not really hearing about that much anymore. So, 
you know, I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot here right now and ask, like, if you had to put a percentage, how many, like, you know, is it 50%? Is it over 50%? How many do you think in the, in the locker room, average NFL locker room, you know, kind of believe in Bitcoin or have some sort of like maybe a position inclination? Obviously you don't need to dox anything like that, but you know, would you say majority are kind of leading in favor towards it? Or do you th still think that there's a wide, I guess, knowledge gap when it comes to, you know, a lot of the NFL locker rooms? There's, there's still a big, there's a big um, knowledge gap brand still. I would say there's still less, less than 10% of, of athletes from the locker rooms that I've been in and, and from the, the relationships and the conversations that I've had. And there's a huge gap. There's guys who fully understand it, and there's guys who have absolutely like what, what do you say? Like I, only crypto I've ever heard of is is Dogecoin or Shiba Inu. Um, that's it's that big of a, of a gap. And um, you know, I think over time, you know, the I think not just athletes, but I think overall retail investors and and the general population, you know, crypto will become more mainstream, more adopted. But it, it just takes time. It takes time, and um, I honestly feel fortunate enough that. Um, I had the time, Brandon, to be able to listen and to be able to um, get that information because I think that's going to be huge information that I've been able to put put forth for my family, from not just my, my, my not just my wife, and my kids, but also for my brother, my sister, my mom, and my dad, who are all now investors in Bitcoin. And um, like you said, though, it comes with great responsibility, right? Um, but I think. Um, I think more and more players uh, are 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 interested in big are interested in crypto, but you have things like FTX though that you take one step forward and sometimes it takes two steps back, right? You have um, everybody was talking about the Tom Brady situation where he was involved with a spokesperson of FTX, and you know it's everybody want to talks about those bad instances, but when really in crypto, there's so many great things that aren't being talked about. Um, I think it'll just take time for to flush some of that bad money out of the system, and it's also kind of it's also a lesson for athletes when you put your name with a brand, um, you know, really to do the best due diligence you can though, um, and, and that kind of is a hard it's a hard thing to say with FTX because no one really expected that, and uh, I know Tom Brady lost a lot of money, and I, I know a lot of athletes lost a lot of money, um, which. You know, which kind of goes to show, you know, make sure making sure you self custody of your own uh, crypto. Yeah, exactly. And you know, it's interesting that you say that ten percent number because, you know, I I think that you know it's probably around the same for retail investors. You know, maybe we get in this little bubble of you know Bitcoin meetups or Bitcoin Twitter that kind of stuff, and we think you know populations are really growing. But I think you know. Uh, a locker room is kind of like, you know, just a, a microcosm of the entire, you know, entire globe where we're still having a big knowledge gap. You know, we have Bitcoin and the greater ecosystem growing rapidly, but still a lot of people don't really know. And they really don't just don't choose to know. They don't. It's not something that interests them. And, uh, you know, it's not something like that. But, you know, you brought up an interesting point with FTX and uh, kind of like the marketing aspect of it, right? Because, you know, as an athlete, you know, especially a professional athlete, you know, you guys have a lot of followers on all social media, you get followed from, you know, uh, from 
probably from high school on, you know, a lot of people like recognize like, Hey, this person's a great athlete. They're going to XYZ university in your case, Wisconsin, Wisconsin's got a huge fan base, big 10. You guys are on TV every Saturday. Um, and then you go from that to getting drafted into the NFL. So, you know, obviously your following grows on all social media platforms and everything else and brands start to approach you. So, you know, I guess with that FTX thing, are you noticing, you know, athletes, I guess, more skeptical on the brands that they're that are kind of approaching them and like doing that? Because, you know, I want to hear your answer first, but I'll get into how I how I don't really blame Tom Brady too much on on the whole FTX situation. Oh, listen, man, I don't I don't blame him either, man. We're all entrepreneurs. We're all here to make a buck, man. No, I, I don't think I, I don't even think our athlete, you know, some of the athletes I'm dealing with, they don't really even know the difference between FTX and Binance and, you know, all the all the centralized exchanges. Um, I, I think it kind of just set the overall market back, Brandon, in my opinion, um, getting more skepticism, skepticism on the overall Bitcoin and crypto and what the adoption is and what, you know, is it a scam or is it real? It's, you know, I think uh, FTX kind of put a black eye on that. I think it's going to take a while to kind of for it to recover, not just for, you know, some of the guys that I deal with and, and some, you know, the athletes perspective, I think, you know, you know, Brandon better, better than me. I think the overall population, you know? Yeah. And I, and I agree. I think like FTX is just like, you know, a lot of people just still group them all, all together. FTX is this, you know, Bitcoin, crypto, all in one. And yep. so when really, like you said, it's it's more about just the, the self-sovereignty, holding Bitcoin in cold storage, doing all that kind of stuff to kind of help, you know, avoid situ- situations like that. Because, you know, you described it, right? It's a centralized ex- exchange. So, you know, one of the ethos, obviously, with Bitcoin is, you know, having self-sovereignty taking personal ownership of all that, that kind of thing. So, you know, how did that conversation go? Cause I, I can tell you how the conversation went with my parents when, when I've been trying to tell them to buy Bitcoin and then they have it on an exchange. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, they might not be able to pull it off and they're, they're freaking out and other things like that too. So, you know, when, as your orange pilling family, you know, not only athletes as your orange pilling family members and everything like that, you know, how did, how are they kind of taking that? Are they taking it a little bit different maybe than, than some of your buddies on the team, or is it still kind of the same conversation? Well, I'm sure Brandon for you is was, was an awkward Thanksgiving and holiday season this year. No, I'm just exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, my, my, my dad, you know, he, he wouldn't be able to self custody his own stuff. So he, he owns his on a centralized exchange. My dad, my dad's an old school guy. He fully understands Bitcoin. It makes a lot of sense to him. Uh, he's in the same boat as me. It's kind of his hedge against the debasement. So he holds it on a centralized exchange. He's cool with that. He understands the risks. Um, he's thankful he wasn't on FT, FTX, but, uh, you know, um, you know that, that that's just that's just my dad. I'm sure there's a lot there's a lot of people out there too that you know self custody though t- is a big responsibility, and as an athletes as athletes you come into money early. It's a huge responsibility, Brandon. Okay, if you're lo- some of these guys, it's a lot of athletes. You know we're 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 tra- you know we're we get cut. We move from team to team, right? We're traveling all over the country. You know. Being able to say, okay, here's my keys. I'm going to self-custody this. It's a big responsibility, especially if you're talking about you have um, a chunk of your portfolio on that. That's a lot of responsibility. I think that also, too, is a huge scare for a lot of players. But 
um, I think that's where things kind of like Unchained Capital, shout out to them, um, those come into effect, right? Either you're able to have a, you know, kind of a third party, if you will, be able to help you with that process. Yeah. And like you brought up a great point, right? So, I mean, especially for athletes, no matter what upbringing you come from, when you, when you sign that NFL contract or, you know, NBA or MLB, one of these professional sports leagues, you're, you know, young, 18 to 21, 22, maybe a little bit older, 23 or so, but you're getting a big jolt of money right away. Right. And so you're, you're taking that, you know, responsibility where you're essentially, you know, now maybe with the NIL deals, the, the college kids are a little bit luckier than, uh, than maybe uh, some, some of the past. But, you know, when you were an athlete, when I was an athlete back in my heyday and I was running track in college and everything like that, you know, I unfortunately didn't have the, the NIL deals or anything like that. So, I mean, you know, you're, you're a poor college kid and then all of a sudden you're, uh, you're just jolting into a bunch of money. And like you said, you're traveling around, you know, people recognize you now and you kind of, you know, run into this difficult position where it's like, okay, well, if you learn about, you know, Bitcoin or stocks or something like that, or, you know, first you're like, all right, what's this big first purchase I'm going to make? What's this, you know, what am I going to do with this? And and you're, you're not really thinking about the long term, right? You're thinking like, oh my God, I just got all of this, you know, initial money, you know, as soon as you just get drafted and get into the league. So, you know, on, on that note, uh, you talked about the NFL's retirement program, how they're matching the 401k and doing all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, what was, I guess, I guess, the first like big purchase that you made? Did you make some big purchase or did you make, a, you know, maybe something now that you're looking back, you're like, man, when I first signed that contract, maybe I should have invested that or saved that instead of buying this. No, that's the brand. That's a phenomenal story. And I wish I had a funny story like, man, I bought that $20,000 chain. I, I regret Brand, I'm telling you what, I, I, I'm a very, I'm a frugal guy. I don't spend much on anything. I save everything I have. I invest everything I have. So I really don't, I, I guess the biggest thing I bought right when I got into the league was um, I, uh, I had to pay for my wedding. And then my wife and I, we went all out and we went to Bora Bora for our honeymoon. That was my biggest, that was my biggest um, splurge on something, right? Other than a vehicle, um, those that was my biggest splurge, but I do have a funny story for the listeners because I know everybody's like, "Well, let me hear a, a funny story." So, um, the Miami Dolphin. So, at the end of the year, you take it's called a rookie dinner. You take out the rookies uh, to a really fancy restaurant. Everybody go, you know, it's usually the offense, the defense, right? So, if a defensive, the second round pick or the first round pick, or you know. Those guys will go out to dinner, and you run up the tab, and you you stick the bill on the rookies, okay? And um, for the listeners, the typical this typical bill ranges from twenty to thirty five thousand dollars, okay? Oh man, oh man, twenty to thirty five grand. Well, Miami, one year these rookies. Uh, and also throughout the year, rookies, you have to kind of, uh, you know, pay your dues. So you have to bring Chick-fil-A and Popeye's chicken and KFC on the planes when we do away games, right? They want, because the vets, we want our snacks and stuff like that. And even like, you know, we want our snacks like, you know, beef jerky, airheads, seeds for the, you know, your position rooms. Okay. Well, these rookies weren't doing that. And uh, the guys on the team were like, hey, 
There's like guys like Dominic and Sue. Oh, like, man. That's Rook- an intimidating guy. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't want to cross him. <laughs> if you guys keep this up, this end of the year bill is going to be crazy. Well, that nothing happened. The guy, nothing happened. The rookies kept blowing it off. So we were down in Miami. I, I, the, the restaurant that, that they went to was, uh, and I wasn't on the Miami yet. This was the year before I got there. So this is, this is the story I was told. Okay. Then they went to, uh, um, a really fancy restaurant. I think it's prime, prime, uh, prime One Twelve. Uh, one of those st- fancy steak restaurants down in Miami. Okay. Guys, Dominic and Sue, it's, it's Dominic and Sue and all the vets ordered bottles of wine to go. Oh man. They ordered Ross, like they really ordered steak, not cooked yet to go. They ordered, uh, plates of food were still coming out before, you know, it was guys were leaving. The bill ended up being a hundred thousand dollars. Hundred dollars. So, um, you got you got stories like that in the NFL where guys aren't smart with their money, um, and uh, but I will say this though, Brandon, players you hear about those those um, you know you hear about the horror stories of guys losing all their money with bad investments. Players nowadays, Brandon, are doing a phenomenal job. They're being smarter with their money. Yes, you still have the 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 ten percent of guys in the league who are being you know money. But overall, guys are being much more smarter. One of the ways they're doing that, and I don't agree with it. So usually after every game, you get paid get paid every other week. And you get paid based on the uh, – so it's 18-week pay period, right? Well, guys are spending – some of the younger guys are spending their money too much. So then they <clears throat> spread that out to a 36-pay week period. So now <clears throat> you get half the check you usually do. But it's spread out over a longer period of time, um, which, to me, I like to get my money. If I'm working, I want to get that money so I can invest it. But you know, I understand. Uh, um, you know, there's there's guys who you know it might help. So um, I th- I think it's an okay thing. But that's one example that the NFL is trying to do to help kind of players to budget. You know, be smarter with their money. Um, because if when you're a young kid, don't get any money, and then all of a sudden your first check comes in, and it's, and it's two game checks. You know, you're talking about a you know a, a fifty thousand dollar check or whatever it is. You know, depending on what the contract is, fifty thousand dollar check. That's a lot of money, you know. And you've never had that money before. You're going to want to spend on some shoes or get your wardrobe updated. I think that's where the financial literacy is so important um, to be able to um, to educate yourself. And I and I'll be honest. I when I was a rookie walk, I don't have a finance background. I didn't I didn't study finance at Wisconsin. So my first couple of years in the league, I was I was just hey, I just want to be in the league. I'm, and I saved everything. I didn't invest in anything. I didn't spend anything. I just I just saved, um, and that was good for me because I learned just to grind, just to to focus on the game of football, making a roster, making another year, another year, and then I knew as I got older, I would understand. Uh, how to invest it, got connected with the right people, um, and now I'm in a good position. Always looking to learn more. I, and I would be the first to tell you, um, I'm just I'm a learner, and I, I would never say I know more than anybody else. So I'm always looking to, to learn more, and I, and I do have a lot to learn more, but um, it's just one day at a time and, and, and being that learner.
Yeah, that's great stuff. And, you know, that that is really interesting. And that's, I think, the, the great quality. And that's why you, you're you here today, you know, talking to me about Bitcoin and, you know, spreading that in locker rooms is because, you know, you're just very, uh, I, I guess, like actively learning, which I think, you know, a lot of people kind of in society, the way it shapes up is, you know, when you get to college, once you finish college, you get that degree. A lot of people think it's like, you know, you're done learning, you're done kind of going over those things, but they don't realize like how many things like, you know, you can learn outside of school after it through podcasts, other mediums, other things, you know, YouTube University, you can just go find a lot of people just teaching a lot of things, you know, on there. And, you know, you, it can, it could greatly benefit you, you know, in the long term, which, you know, obviously it seems like you're doing right now by uh, learning about Know, financial literacy and all those kind of stuff but i do have a question for you on the on the game check aspect because i think this is kind of interesting they, they talked about it with uh you know michael jordan in the nba when he was traveling around that his game checks were taxed based on the states that he was playing in is that the same with the nfl that is absolutely correct 100 percent correct and when you file your taxes you usually have about 12 tax 12, 12 states you usually you're filing your, not not that many but just about like 10 tax states that you're filing in so, you know, I don't do my own taxes. I have, a, you know, a, a, a CPA who, who, who takes care of all that for me. But that's correct. I'm playing in New York. That means I'm getting taxed in New York. And that's why it's so nice when you're playing in a, you know, a place like Florida, Tennessee, <clears throat> um, Texas. You know, those are three really great spots where half of your half of the games, right? So you get an 18-week season. Half of those games are going to be in your hometown, so no state income tax. Um, now I'm in Baltimore, which is a different story, but you know you go where you go where you need to. But in ideal world, right? Uh, it's nice having those um, Florida tax, no state income tax. Yeah, for sure. I mean, exactly like you said. So I mean, a lot of the the plebs listening, they they've all flocked to either like Nashville, Austin. You know, those are kind of like the hot spots in Miami for for Bitcoiners. But obviously, there's some all over the place, right? So unfortunately, some of those don't don't have maybe the luxury to to move to you know some of these non-state income taxes place. But it is kind of an interesting you know little tidbit that they put in there. It's like even though you're you're traveling for work. And you're working in that state, you know, just for a team. Yeah, you don't make your schedule, right? You don't get to really, I mean, you you kind of have some say, but at the end of the day, you know, you're drafted. And like you said, you got to go to where, you know, you get signed because yeah, it is a tough league, right? It's, it's a professional athletics, right? So if you're not performing, they're going to find somebody who is. So it is tough, but, um, you know, it is kind of an interesting little tidbit there that, you know, if you're playing in New York or if you're playing in, one of these other states with like high, high state income tax, you know, that, that game check's going to be significantly less than if you're playing in a state with, uh, you know, no state income tax. So that is a little unfortunate, but um, you know, while I got you here too, you we're almost to the end of the NFL season, right? We got the, uh, the, the NFC and AFC championship game this Sunday and then the Super Bowl in two weeks. Then it's a long off season. So, do you got any big plans for the off season? What are uh, are you going on vacation? Are you continuing the rehab? What, what's kind of the overall plan uh, for the relaxation period that, that you get? Obviously, you still got to work out. You still got to do all those things. But you know, do you get some R and R? Yeah, no, no, Brand. That's a phenomenal question. And each one of my off seasons is a little different. So, if I have surgery, that means I kind of have to be a little more locked in. So, I, I really won't take a huge chunk of time off. 
I took some time off for the holidays. And usually when you're in season, it, you're, you're full steam ahead. So you don't have any time off. I took a little time off during the holidays. I took about a, a week and a half and then right back to work in my rehab. And with my Achilles injuries, I really don't have the time to be able to take off, you know, two weeks or whatever. <clears throat> but typically if I'm healthy, what I usually do is once the season's over, I, uh, I usually take it around anywhere about around three, about three weeks off where I don't, don't lift the weight. I'll do some just light stretching around the house, uh, wake up whenever I wake up. And, uh, cause that's just kind of me unplugging from just the regimen of waking up at five forty-five every day in there till six forty-five every day, getting back home, the grind of it, your body hurting, uh, the stresses of the season, you know, position battles, that's so important to be able to unplug Brandon. It's huge. It's, it's, it's really important. And then from that point in time, then I sl- slowly start ramping up my, my program where I'm not doing heavy weights, just a lot of, you know, um, atrophy stuff where a lot of push-ups. you know, and I, and I get back into my, my gym and I'll do like light weights with higher rep volume. And then as I progress throughout my systems, then, uh, you know, the, the workout program system, you can start getting to the low, you know, the lower weight, heavyweight stuff, um, heavyweight, lower rep stuff. So, um, that's typically what I, I do. And then when April hits, that's when OTA start. So April, end of April, so May, June, so about two months there, you're, you're all in, um, with your OTAs. You got about two, you got about six weeks off and then you're right back in a train camp. And then it's all over again. Yeah. Um, so that's six weeks. I usually uh, train up and I train a couple weeks up in Wisconsin. I spend the other four weeks at my residence here in Florida. And, um, you know, that's kind of what my system is. And that's typically what a, a lot of kind of NFL vets do. You know, you got, you know, you a lot of guys have their in-season home, wherever they're playing. So if I've, Baltimore, I don't have a house there, but you know, you have a house there and then you have your house wherever your off season is. But you know, it's important to unplug though, Brandon. And, uh, and sometimes I kind of, you know, the, those few weeks I go off the handle, I kind of eat a little bit naughty, uh, you know, get to enjoy a cheeseburger more than I usually do. But when I'm rehabbing now, it's, I'm pretty much just locked in because I have, it's a, it's a long journey back now. Gotta stay disciplined. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, like you said, man, it, it's a grind. Obviously, I can't relate. I'm not I'm not an NFL uh, player or anything like that. But I do, you know, respect a, a ton of what you do. But, you know, the reason we got connected is because you said, you know, are there any South, uh, any Bitcoin meetups going on in South Florida? So are you planning on, you know, kind of continuing that? Obviously, when you're like in the hardest season, it's going to be difficult to do any Bitcoin meetups. But are you planning on doing that? Maybe planning on going to Bitcoin Miami? You're going to do any conferences or anything like that uh, during the off season? Brandon, when I saw that 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 uh, that that tweet, I got an overflowing message of guys, people who are in the local, you know, uh, South Florida area, even in my in the area of Davie where I live. Davy meetups, uh, which is kind of just west of Fort Lauderdale. Davy meetups. Um, I got I got linked up. I'm actually going to do some, some some fun stuff down in for the Bitcoin Miami. Can't wait for that. So I think it just goes to to show like, um, just the community Bitcoin is, and just the good people that are in it. And yes, there's a lot of bad actors, but I think um, there's a lot of good people in it. And 
being able to connect with those guys. Um, I actually connected with the gentleman um, who's one of the uh, high ups in Bitcoin magazine. So I'm actually um, going to be flying out to Nashville and get to meet with him and check out, check out all the stuff that I got going over there. So um, it just goes to show it's all about connections, man. It's just, you know, putting yourself out there like, Hey guys, there's a meetup and just the amount of connections you're able to make. Um, it, it's, it's really cool. Yeah, it's outstanding. And, you know, that that's how we're, we're lucky to be here today. And I, I'm very glad you tweeted that out. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad I got to, a chance to talk to you here for an hour or so. So, you know, why don't you tell everybody, uh, you know, you've been very generous with your time, obviously. And I appreciate you having, having you, uh, appreciate having you on. I'll have to see you at Bitcoin Miami or some of these other, maybe I'll come down to South Florida for a meetup or something like that. But why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter and, and other mediums? Yeah, you guys can follow me at uh, Vince Beagle on Twitter. I'm very active on that. Um, I have Instagram, Vince Beagle. And uh, you guys kind of see, uh, I post a lot about my family, post a lot about my faith, post a lot about you know the journey of football. Um, not a big flashy guy, but I think it's just kind of fun for people to show a glimpse of, you know, kind of, I consider myself just a blue collar NFL guy um, who's making his way to the NFL. I'm just being able to share my story. And uh, being being able to try to help as many people along the way, Brandon. Yeah, for sure. Midwest tough, man. You got that that Wisconsin tough in you. The Midwest grind, dude. So I appreciate it. Um, we'll have to have you back on maybe after next season, and uh, you know, maybe, maybe my Bears will sign you. I, I don't know. They're they're looking. They got a lot of cap space. So hopefully, uh, you know, we'll come on there, and I'll I'll be able to root for you there. But um, you know, I good luck for you the rest of this off season. I hope you have a speedy recovery. Your Achilles heals up well, and. Uh, I'm definitely going to be rooting for you this next season. So uh, I'm excited for it. And thanks so much for coming on. Brandon, man, I can't, uh, can't thank you enough. Really, really had a good time being on here. Would absolutely love to be a Chicago bear. There we go. Bear uh, down. When I, was senior, when I was in the senior bowl, they actually coached us up. So I have a lot of respect. Uh, it was John Fox at the time. He's not there, but a lot yeah. of respect for the bears program. Uh, thank you guys again for having me on. It was a pleasure. Of course, as always.